Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah, and I'm your moderator this morning. Today is Sunday, May 10th, 2015. The share ID number for Friday, May 8th, is 7537. That's 7537. This morning, A Vision for You presents Searching for the Answer. All of us have come to this program as a result of the constant frustration and constant defeat and pain we experience compulsively overeating. The big book was written as a set of directions, a textbook for doing the 12 steps. The promise of these 12 steps, of this 12-step process, is a personality change, a spiritual awakening sufficient to bring about recovery. Our experience of powerlessness becomes the driving force of desperation to search for an answer, to be ready and willing to do anything which will free us from the bondage of our affliction. Such is the paradox of the 12-step recovery process, strength arising out of complete defeat and weakness, the loss of one's old life as a condition for finding a new one. And joining us this morning to present Searching for an Answer is Christine T., a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Christine is grateful and eager to help others find recovery and a new life through these 12 steps. And welcome to the line, Christine. Good morning, Leah. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. My name is Christine, and I'm from New Jersey, and I am the speaker for today's special edition of A Vision for You. I just want to take a quick minute to reflect because I really need to just relax. I'm a little nervous. So um, I asked my higher power to deliver through me the message that someone needs to hear, that my own thoughts be silent and this meeting be guided by my higher power. It's so important for me to say those words because I need to know that it's this is from my higher power, not from me. I want to help everyone. And I also want to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. Um, so let me tell my story. Um, I walked into these rooms uh, by the grace of God 27 years ago. I, uh, I truly, uh, it was really a miraculous um, kind of thing. I've never had a doctor ever since tell me this, but um, I gave birth to my first daughter, um, I guess in 1987. I wanted to get pregnant with a second child, and um, I weighed 320 pounds. And my, I delivered the first one through a midwife. And the second one, I went back to another midwife. We lived in a different area. And she basically said, uh, are you blank kidding? Um, she said, um, I don't suggest it. Hold on. Sit on this table and wait a minute. She walked out of the room. She made a phone call. And she brought me a pamphlet back. And she said, this is Overeaters Anonymous, and there's a meeting in your town on Wednesday night, and you need to go there and don't come back <laughs> unless you have some um, some weight loss. Um, she was very kind and loving in how she said it, and she, I don't know if she ever suffered from it because the truth was I never went back to her. I, um, I moved from the area. So um, I basically that Wednesday night attended that meeting, and it was an incredible newcomers meeting, about 50 people there. And uh, 
they were definitely some uh, interesting concepts about food. I could totally relate. I'm uh, 23 years old, I think, at the time, or 24, and I'm thinking this is uh, these people are actually talking about what I've done with food, eating out of a garbage can, eating dozens at a time. Um, it was just an amazing evening. But they mentioned uh, God, and uh, <laughs> it made me question whether I wanted to stay. So I went home that night, and uh, my husband asked me what it was like, and I told him, mm, they're a little God-freaky, um, but um, I'm going to stay because I heard a bunch of things that I could relate to. And from there, I went back the next week, and then the next week I found another meeting, and um I got abstinent, um, and uh, basically, uh, I think nine months later, I moved, and um, no one really talked about the steps. They talked about the tools. Um, I lost 170 pounds, and um, I got pregnant and had my second child. We moved to New York City. That was in Boston, where I started, and... Um, I lost contact with the rooms. And, of course, what do you think happens? The weight went back on. Uh, again, I move I move all over the place. I moved to Boston, New Hampshire, uh, everywhere, and, um, and back to New Jersey at this time. And uh, I think I've had my third child. He's four years old. I had just had a severe car accident where he had major head trauma, um, and I find the rooms locally here. I'm in those rooms. I get abstinent again. I ask my sponsor after six months, seven months, I need more. I need more. I need to do more. Tell me what it is. The big book always has been an important book to me, but I still didn't get it. I needed guidance. And um, this woman told me I needed to wait seven years before I did the steps. And, of course, within three months, I left the room. I'm out another five years. Uh, I walk back in, <laughs> and um, I maybe that was a three-month stint, again, asking, I need more, I need more, I need more. Uh, it wasn't my time, again, told that I need to wait seven years, and um, and I leave. So basically, I am now back um, about... Um, a year ago, and I want to explain what led me back into these rooms. And one was a revelation after a, a wonderful retreat last week um, uh, that I, I, I really figured out what got me here. Through the process of doing the steps, I, um, I figured out that one of my core fears, which I'll talk about later a little bit more, is abandonment. And, um, and uh, about three years ago, all of my children moved out of the house. Um, I'm not, I haven't been to an OA room in 10 years. Uh, and when they moved out of the house, I felt uh, abandoned. I became a recluse. My husband travels heavy duty uh, to Asia and other places, Europe, and uh, for business. And um, he asked me to go all the time. I never go. I can't wait for him to get on a flight so that I can sit and eat and eat and eat and eat watching TV, um, and basically, um, I don't want to do anything. Um, I'm angry at my children. They've left me. I don't want to live, you know. I just want to die. I'm having heart palpitations on a daily basis. 
Um, I go on vacation, and one of my children's, uh, it's my 50th birthday a year ago, March, so that's 2014. One of my children dates a young uh, person that um, I feel might have a problem or an addiction. I'm watching this person. I'm making such a fuss about this, you know, and I can't be quiet. I'm watching this person. The glass is half full. He he fills it up, opens another one on the side. Uh, After a week or nine days of being on vacation with him, I am watching this young man, and I start to realize, wow, this could be me. (laughs) And it is me. So I... I, uh, make a decision right then and there that I need help. I'm weighing 320 pounds. Um, I need seatbelt extenders. I am unhappy. I get off that flight. I think it was April 1st, and I call my sponsor, someone who was in my phone book for many, many years. I ask her if she would take me on. I don't even leave the airport because once that strikes, I figure I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, call again. So I, I go to the bathroom and I make a phone call. I get myself home. I call her that night. I make my commitment. The beauty is, is that uh, I become abstinent. I'm willing to push that ball around the room on the floor. But the real beauty is somebody uh, talks to me three weeks later and says, I would like to suggest possibly doing the steps. And I look at her. I think I asked, I don't have to wait? (laughs) I I figured everybody wanted me to wait. And um, she says, no, let's get started. And the quicker we do this, the better. And so there goes my path. And um, it actually... uh, I have so much behind it. It's, like, incredible. Um, I come from a family uh, that was pretty dysfunctional. How dysfunctional, I actually found out in the past year, it was extremely dysfunctional. But I guess my mom was a good person at hiding it. My dad was an alcoholic. My father was an extreme philanderer, which is new to me. Um, And uh, my mom kind of died when I was 18. And um, I uh, basically uh, went through life uh, a little confused about what my childhood was like. So I come here with some baggage and some uh, addiction issues. So at this point, I go, I, I, um, uh, the sponsor starts taking me through the steps. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read. I, I, I have something written in, and, and I'll talk about it a little as I read through it. I decide to take this step. I admit that I have a problem. And, and eating or not, I can't manage my own life well at all. I, um, I basically don't want to leave the house. Uh, my husband tells me I'm beautiful. I think, Ugh. you know, I weigh 320 pounds, size 24 is tight. I can't, I, I don't want to go any higher, but I can't stop eating. I'm definitely powerless over food. Step two, I believed and or I was willing to believe that there was something strong enough to help me. I figured I had, uh, I developed a higher power very young. Because my father's behavior, I, he would take, I am Catholic, he took me to church, and I would watch him. 
And I would think this isn't the, he would make me, you know, do everything I needed to do to become a good Catholic. And I, and I turned and I always, I remember when I was nine years old sitting, making my Holy Communion and he was telling me what I had to do. And I thought to myself, um, I need something different. My God has to be different. Not that I actually thought that, but I knew it wasn't the God that he had. And I developed something very different than what he was loving, kind, and gentle. And I've always had this. It's not something I haven't had. So I feel really grateful looking about back at this today to see the change and what I developed has come with me. So I already have something that I believe in, that I'm able to think of and get to, to know that this can help me. So I decide to give this something a try. Um, And now we get to the big step. I did a four- and five-column written inventory, making sure that my fifth column listed my character defects. That fourth column listed the actual behaviors that I played out by my character defects so that I could use my fourth column as the plan of action of what behaviors I do or don't do. And I want to read something because on Friday I was sitting at a wonderful meeting in Parsippany or in Bhutan if anybody wants to come. It's a great meeting. It's 11.45 to 1 p.m. and we do the steps um, as written in the big book um, and we read the AA 12 and 12. But we were reading step eight and this really has stuck out at me and it says since defective relations page 80 of the AA 12 and 12 since defective relations with other human beings have nearly always been the immediate cause of our woes including our alcoholism no field of investigation could yield more satisfying satisfying and valuable rewards than this one this is says it all i had to dig and dig deep i knew i was eating uh, for all these reasons. The reasons I had no idea. Um, I needed to really search. And um, it was a month-long process of searching for these reasons. But I had a lot in there and um, a lot of non, uh, not feeling loved, um, a lot of resentments, um, some harms, uh, not as many harms uh, or fears as resentments. Um, but uh, it was digging hard and deep. So I go to step five. I admit my character defects and only my character defects to my sponsor. If I retold my stories, I would let those roots grow again. And let me explain that. I, I truly, I am someone who lived my story out every day. Uh, when I started talking to my step sponsor, I used to want to tell her the whole story of my life. Ah, my grandmother hated me. I wanted to live this story, and she would say, stop. Let's not talk about the story yet. <laughs> Let's uh, get the fourth step done, and then we'll discuss the story afterwards in our actions. And I didn't understand this. I just wanted to tell her the story, but now I do. Because the story was that I lived out, every time I repeated it, those roots grew. And they got deeper, and I relived the story, and I'm sobbing. And the truth is, I was living in the problem, not the solution. The solution was in the step, and I needed to get the four steps done, the four step done, and to move on. And I I truly sponsor the same way today because I understand it today is that I live in the solution, not the problem. What's the solution to all those things that happen? Poor me. And so um, 
I get it. And um, it was a real revelation for me. I didn't know I was living in the problem. So um, so step five, when I met with those character defects, um, there's a relief. There was almost a relief to find these character defects. It was incredible to me. Um, I, I I had someone ask me recently, you are not vengeful. I can't. I was talking about being vengeful in, in this one situation. And, and she was like, you're not a vengeful person. This isn't who you are. Um, she's right, but I have vengeful behaviors, and those behaviors can change. And, um, and then I described the two things. One was someone recently died, and the next day, I woke up in in a thought process of, I hope he suffered. And, oh, my God, I can't be that. That's vengeful. I need to be the opposite of that. And uh, and to realize that that's just a behavior, but I can change that behavior. And so getting to the character defects in this whole process were almost comforting <laughs> because I can change that. And when I realized that, that was... I think the key to me wanting to get better was that uh, coming to that fourth column was difficult, my part. As someone is, as I have in my resentment, I'm resentful of my father, who's an alcoholic. Getting to what my part in it was very hard. I felt as if people were twirling me in a circle, a circle. I, I was dizzy because I'm asking to think a different way than I've ever thought before. But once I got to that, it was the most incredible thing, and, and labeling it with a defect of character was was also incredible. Um, I felt a relief that, wow, this is why I've been doing what I've been doing, and I just want to shout from a mountain. It just feels so wonderful. So now we're on step six, because... Um, now that I've seen on paper what my character defect, what problems they're causing, now I want them totally removed. So I ask God to um, take away my controlling behavior and show me how to be passive. Take away my critical, my my criticizing everybody, and uh, give show me how to be complimentary. I I continually, on a daily basis, ask Him to remove my defects of character and. Um, that pop up and ask him to show me who he wants me to be and act. And most importantly, I act um, the opposite of that behavior. So step seven, I ask my higher power to remove these defects and give me the opposite. Step eight, become willing to set the right wrongs of my past. This is really the most amazing part of this program. Uh, And I will uh, explain a couple of them. The first two didn't go well on step nine. I actually went out and made sincere apologies and restitutions. But more importantly, I started to change the way I thought and acted. And that is actually uh, very simple in the beginning. But I've had in the past month a real major one happen, and I'll get to that. Um, I'm a little thick. Sometimes it takes me a long time. So it was 11 months before I kind of figured out that I actually had to change. I was just acting as if I had to change, but I actually realized at one point I had to do the change. So um, the first uh, couple didn't go so well. Uh, My amends to my husband was uh, really interesting. After I made my amends, Um, He made a decision to tell me everything for a very long time, what he needed me to do, which was fine. And my part is to sit and listen and truly try to hear what he has to say and apologize for those things he needs me to apologize for. 
not to tell him that, argue or whatever. Even though this is one of my um, my last people that I truly needed to, last persons I needed to change for, which I'll get to. The next individual would be my greatest teacher. Um, this person um, told me what they thought about me and my personality, and it was very hard to hear. Um, and um, and and I lashed out back at that person, uh, which I regret, and I did make an amends for. Um, but uh, I've gone. It, it it actually was more of my people pleasing, my character defect of people pleasing that um, that this person has come back to me and uh, really taught me my lesson. So I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more later. The the third difficult amends is um, a resentment. I have an aunt and uncle who I hadn't seen in 34 years. The last time I saw them was at my mother's funeral. I was 18 years old. I, um, uh, my sister was one who was liked a little bit more than me. I don't uh, feel bad about that anymore. Um, it just is. It's my path. It's what I had before me. So I resented them, and I never talked to them after my mother's funeral. Um, I never called my grandmother. I never. She's now deceased. So is my grandfather. I just left the funeral and never talked to them ever again. But they were on my resentment sheet, and on. And I'll give you the first column. So it's aunt and uncle uh, resent that they never called me or contacted me. Okay. Um, my part in that is I never called or contacted them. And so that was a revelation in itself. So here they are. They're on my amends list, and now I have to go out and um, have a conversation with them. And in this process, I, I contact my aunt. She's willing to talk to me. I haven't made an amends on the phone. I want to fly down to Florida and visit them. So I ask, uh, can she give me my uncle's phone number? And she says, he doesn't want to talk to you. You're a brat. And he says he doesn't want to talk to you. So I explained that I really would like to, um, you know, uh, have a conversation. She goes back to him, calls me three days later and says, he'll talk to you. Here's his phone number. You can call him today. So I go to my bed immediately and meditate. And I think I lied there for two and a half hours before I made the phone call, uh, asking God to guide me to get up from this bed and go dial that phone. So uh, at one point, I get up, I go dial that phone. I'm sick to my stomach. He is answers the phone, we're talking, and he says, why now, after 34 years, what is this? So realizing I might not ever have another opportunity in my life to go visit this man, I start to tell him, I've been in a 12-step program, la-da-da-da-da, I'm at this point, I'm, I, I, uh, you were on my resentment list, and basically um, I resented you because you didn't call me, but I uh, um, basically didn't call you, and I'm very sorry for that. Um, I don't think I said I resented him. I, that's not something I would have done in amends, sorry. Um, I, I basically didn't call you, and I'm apologizing because I didn't, and I um, want to tell you I, won't, I would love to keep in contact with you. At that point, he tells me he loves me. He tells me about my childhood. He tells me I was an angry child and um, that which I never, which has been a wonderful thing because actually I never really realized that until he actually told me and he was, and, and when I heard it at first, I want to back away. And, but then I realized he's quite correct. I was an angry child 
uh, and now that all the information has come out about my childhood from a, a lot of aunt and uncles, I start to realize wow, you know, the fact that I survived um, is amazing. So um, the the truth is, is that I talked to my aunt and uncle on a regular basis. I flew down. I went to see them. He tells me he loves me. My aunt tells me she loves me. And we now have this incredible relationship after 34 years of not speaking. And it's all because of the steps. It's all because I made a decision to go back through my life, to clean it up, to figure it out. <sighs> it was, it's been beautiful, and that's just one. But I'll get back to my other one that is more recent with my husband. It's a character defect of arguing. Uh, if he comes to me, uh, starts giving me a list, I will go back and argue with him. I will engage with his argument. So about a month ago, uh, I'm standing in the kitchen, and I start to realize that, man, he's giving me the list of everything I haven't done today, what he wants me to do, what he wants me to do tomorrow. We work together, so this is like a nightmare, I hate to tell you. (laughs) And when we get at home, he seems to unload everything on me. So basically, um, he's giving me the litany of everything I have to do, I haven't done, da-da-da-da-da. So I want to engage. And I realize at that moment, my higher power just said, don't engage. This is your time. You have to change. You can't keep doing step tens on this. (laughs) You must make the change. Right then and there, I decided to cease arguing. Okay, that given moment, I can tell you what I was doing. I was chopping food on a on a, a cutting for cutting up a pepper for dinner. You know, it, it was amazing, and I realized, ah, this is it. <laughs> this is it. I have to change. This is my last one. I'm holding on to not one one of my last ones. And then within two weeks later, my people pleasing comes up. And uh, I'm put in front of someone who who maybe possibly doesn't like me. Maybe they do. Uh, Whatever. It doesn't really matter because nothing really matters because all I have is my higher power to really answer to, and I need to do his will every day. So I'm across the table from this individual, and this individual is telling me, again, some things that, um, you know, you this, you that, whatever. The beauty is in that moment, in this conversation, I hear, ah, you know, this is it. it. It's it. It's about, it doesn't matter what this person is saying. It is about me listening to them. It's about me hearing what she needs me to hear and about me to just be silent and listen. And if I, I, I can acknowledge, I can say I'm sorry. It's not about me. It's about that person. And this is an incredible message for me. I always thought everything was about me, that it was about how I feel, what are, you're hurting me. No. <laughs> it, my life is not about me. It's about usually the other person. What goes on in my head is wrong, okay? Uh, it's never correct. It never has been. And I can't entertain any thought in that head. It is about my higher power and what he has in store for me. And the truth is, sometimes it's just to sit and listen to that person. And these are all major things for me. This past month has been revelation after revelation. So, okay, at that exact moment, step 10, I am angry, worried, afraid, and about to do harm to someone or have done harm to someone. I immediately do steps four, six, 
seven, eight, nine, and then five. So in the moment that my husband is in the kitchen, I am before, okay, I was about to do harm. I did them all standing there. And these, uh, and I actually made the change. I didn't act as if I changed. And now I truly don't engage with him. And in that month, I will tell you, he has, um, my husband in particular has been a real confirmation of my change because uh, I was helping somebody with their fourth step uh, two weeks ago and he was leaving for this trip to Asia and I'm making copies of character defects and their opposites uh, because I'm about to go work with someone and um, I I need cheat sheets. I I have no memory anymore. I have three kids and uh, I think after high school and three different high schools and teachers and names, I just don't remember anything anymore. And so... um, uh, I he says I hear the machine go and he makes three a copy for himself and I'm like I'm thinking these are dangerous and he says well I want to read the first 164 pages of the big book and I was like oh my god <laughs> you know and and so since then he's been sending me uh, the doctor's paragraphs from the doctor's opinion whatever but it's okay you know uh, the beauty is he sees change in me and he wants it and that's a confirmation of of how hard I work this. And, and um, I, I, you know, it's just incredible. So step 11, keep conscious contact with my higher power and be willing to follow his lead, not mine. That's a major one. My ego pops up on a regular basis, and it's got to be smashed because it doesn't know. <laughs> it doesn't know anything. It's never accurate. And um, I am just a messenger, um, that's it, you know, and, and I accept that, and I want that for myself. I don't know why it comes up so much, but um, it's got to go down because um, really the reality is is that the beauty in being a follower is um, so much, I, I don't know, there's so much in following that um, I used to think being a leader was important, but it's not, you know, um, to spread this message is, uh, all I want to do because my life has changed, you know. So now I'm on step 12. I carry that message to you and I teach the message to others. And I get so much back out of that, that uh, on a daily basis, my body vibrates. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. I want to shout from the mountains. I want to tell you my life is different. I am a totally different person today. My one daughter keeps telling me, Mom, Mom, you're so different. I don't understand. It's like talking to a different person. I no longer tell them what to do. I I listen more. I uh, no longer dictate to them where their life is supposed to be going. And and um, they really appreciate me because of that. But I'm going to go through and read this little kind of thing because it's just my cheat sheet and I will go off of it. I came to realize very quickly through working the steps and reading this book, willingness, that is my part. I had to be willing to put the food, not put the food in my mouth. In the beginning, when I walked in here, I had to do my part. And my part was to stick to my food plan and get my head clear so that I could work those steps and achieve the solution. My higher power did not get me abstinent. My higher power led me to this room. I admitted I was powerless and I came 
so I called a sponsor and I came up with a food plan. I chose to stick to it. Then I chose to give my higher power a try. Then I turned my life over to that higher power. I knew I wanted to change. That meant I needed not to eat compulsively and to do the work of the steps. I wanted clarity and that and my way wasn't working, so why not give the steps a try? What did I have to lose except the weight? So after deciding to take step three, my way wasn't working, so I decided to make a decision to turn my, li- my will and my life over to the higher power. Now, I want to explain this chapter or this and page 63 of the big book, the last paragraph. This statement is where everything started to become clear. Next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is personal house cleaning, which many of us have never attempted. Though our decision, step three, was a vital and crucial step, it could only have permanent effect unless at once followed by a a strenuous effort to face and to be rid the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. Our food is but a symptom. That was major. So we had to get down to causes and condition. Basically, my head, I have a personality disorder. (laughs) And my head is what uh, is uh, basically my problem. And um, I had to go through my past and clean it up. And uh, this was life-altering for me. This I have in my big book outlined in ink, highlighter, everything. Food is but a symptom of what my problem really is. What a statement. I finally took responsibility for my part in my life. I stopped blaming everyone else. This is my lifelong thing. It was my sister. It was my father. It was my aunt and uncle. It was my grandparent. And started cleaning up my past, present, and even the future by changing my ways. What does this have to do with food, you ask? Basically, from that moment on, I food truly stopped calling. By deciding to trust my higher power and cleaning up my past, I was granted this beautiful reprieve from the need to compulsively overeat. That is my higher power. I truly have no desire to or need to eat compulsively. As it says in the step the tenth step promise, the last page of page eighty four, which I will read. I love this promise. It's the most beautiful promise I've ever read. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even food or alcohol. By for by this time sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as if from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. (laughs) We will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude towards liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, nor are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. And that has happened for me. Honestly, food doesn't call. It can be in front of me. I can be making something. It doesn't matter. It's not important. What's important is my relationship with my higher power. As long as I continue this cleansing process and keep spiritually fit, I have the opportunity to live free from the compulsion.
Since April 4th of 2014, I have lost 80 pounds. My blood pressure is 97 over 60, uh, 70 versus a year ago, which it was 138 over 96, and my heart rate is a resting heart rate of 52. I don't need a seatbelt extender on an airplane. I stopped taking Prilosec on July 1st <laughs> of last year. My husband has asked me for 10 years to travel with him. I said no because I just wanted to be with the food because that was more important. I went actually on five or six trips this year. I went to Japan for a month. It was a blast. I lost nine pounds that month. <laughs> um, uh, I, I really had a wonderful, wonderful life this year. I went on a three-week vacation you know, with my um my husband went to Las Vegas, which never been before. That was interesting. Um, I went on a great trip with my son to San Diego. Uh, I have the best relationships with my children. We don't speak daily, but we now speak at least three or four times a week, where if uh, once a month I spoke to them uh, before was uh, was amazing. Uh, my husband and I have always gotten along, but I am definitely learned to keep my mouth shut and... Um, and uh, it's been great. Does it need to be said is one of my mottos. Does it need to be said by me or now? And it doesn't need to be said by me. I think um, I live by that today because learning to keep my mouth shut, think about before I speak and ask my higher power to say what he needs to say, not what I want to say. So basically, I had been in and out of these rooms for 27 years with periods of abstinence. I now understand why I was not successful at the program. The truth is that I failed to enlarge my spiritual life. I was trying to control every moment of it instead. And um, that quote, that failing to enlarge our spiritual life, is on page 35 in the big book, third paragraph, another big important page for me. Today, my higher power is the most important thing. I'm recovered a day at a time. I no longer struggle with food, for today is in remission. I know if it decides to call me that the answer is in working the steps. I continue to do step tens on a regular basis, but the truth is that I'm now changing so that I don't have to do as many of those. But step 10 is a wonderful tool. It is happening. It's not a tool. It's a step. It is happening slowly, steadily. Uh, but it is happening, the change. Um, let's see. Today I choose to live in the solution. With a simple decision of what we are willing to do, you can either suffer in the darkness or play in the light. You can be angry, frightened, or enslaved, or loving, joyous, and free. It all starts with the willingness to put the food down and then begin to work the steps. The dream is being fulfilled among us, uh, among us sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. You just have to reach out and do the work. There's somebody willing to help, so just reach out and ask. It might be you. And that's it. Christine, thank you so much for such an inspirational message this morning. Thank you. What a message of hope and possibility as a result of these 12 steps. We thank you for your service. Christine's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. Now we'll open the floor for question-answer period. If you have any questions, star 1 to unmute to direct your question to Christine, please. Teresa from DC. Hi, Teresa. 
Teresa, anybody else with a question? Star one to unmute. Sherry from Ohio. Sherry. Okay. Let's start with Jody. And Jody. Okay. Excellent. Teresa, go ahead. Okay. Thank you, Christine. Um, You shared that for, I believe you said, 27 years that you've been um, in and out of program or in and out of um, abstinence. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. not sure. Yes. Okay. But then since May of last year, you have um, worked the steps and been recovered and had a transformation. Yes. Um, What, if anything, related to your food did you do differently? Um, Well, (laughs) I didn't do anything differently. My food plan is actually the same food plan I had um, 20 years ago. Okay, so it's not any different than it was 20 years ago. Isn't that crazy? So the reality is it's not about the food. (laughs) The food is but a symptom of what my problem really was. So then what was the shift? Um, I was willing to truly work the steps as written in the big book, that uh, that basically over the years, I, I, the meetings I attended, the people I met at those meetings, they weren't really working the steps, okay? It, I was told I had to be an abstinent seven years before I could work the steps, but I needed a change right away. And as a sponsor, I, I start my um, sponsees uh, immediately um, on questions and answers, and by the fifth week, we're heading into some heavy-duty work because I really feel there's this little opening. Uh, I mean, this is what I know and what I feel is that I had an opening and there's that nanosecond that you want to do the work. And I, I encourage everyone to jump on it that moment and work it and like really do the work. And, and really, honestly, I'll tell you, my fourth step was ended by June. I came into and got abstinent April 4th. I started the steps three weeks into this. Uh, so that was the third week of April. Okay, I was done and my four step written by uh June fifteenth done. My amends were pretty much finished by August so i I jumped on it. I knew this was it. I didn't have any more recovery in me, and if I didn't do this work, I was going to die so um at three hundred and twenty pounds and fifty one years old, having a heart beating rapidly daily, there was no other answer except to look at my past. Okay, thank you very much. I'll be calling for follow-up. Okay, great. Thanks, Teresa. Sherry, your turn. Hi, this is Jody. Hi, Hi, Jody. Jody, hold on one second. Was there a Sherry as well? I thought I heard a Sherry. Perhaps I heard wrong. Jody, why don't you go ahead? Okay. So, Christine, in all of those years, you had never worked this a fourth step? No. Or a ninth step before? No. Okay. Um, and what inspired you to do so in a quick fashion like that? Some, was it a meeting? Yeah, I'll explain. Was it a meeting or? There was someone at a meeting that I attended. She sounded really clear. 
okay? Um, I could hear in the room, she had a different message, a message I wanted, okay? So her message was basically, um, she shared all of her issues before and her personality, and, and then she shared how she had changed. And the reality was I wanted what she had. And um, the interesting part, I didn't have the nerve to ask her, but she came up to me and um, she uh, said, you know, I find that if someone does the steps, <laughs> that they can get better. And um, I thought, okay. So I jumped on that bandwagon and um, I really wanted what she had. And um, she has incredible recovery. And if you'd like to listen to her, she's a special edition. Her name is Barbara A. Um, And uh, she speaks about her recovery on March 2nd, 2014. Uh, Again, Barbara A., March 2nd, 2014. It's an incredible story. So listen to it. But I agree with her in the sense that once, once there's that little willingness step on um, and get it done. Uh, The truth is I lived those behaviors, those character defects out every day on myself and everyone around me. Uh, The moment I realized um, I lived it in my eating on a daily basis, the moment I looked at myself and and took that searching and fearless moral inventory um, and looked at my behavior, my life changed like dramatically. Same life, okay? I changed, okay? Not my life. (laughs) I became a much happier person. I I mean, I whistle now. I don't drive aggressively anymore. Um, I listen to love music, (laughs) which I used to listen to hard rock on the stations. It's love songs. It's incredible. I listen to Nat King Cole. My whole life has changed. I have a whole different view on what it's all about. It's about this incredible gentleness and uh, not this harsh competitiveness. And uh, it just has been a miracle. I encourage you to work it. Thank you, Jody, for the question. Anyone else with a question this morning for Christine? Star one to unmute. Catherine in Texas. Hi, Hi Catherine. I have Anyone a question. Else? Matt M. Matt M. Who else? Isabel. Who's the last one after Isabel? Sherry from Ohio. Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Okay, you are there. Okay, so let's go with Catherine, please. Hi, Catherine. Hi, I'm Catherine, compulsive reader, food addict. Oh, my gosh. I am just so grateful for your share this morning. Um, I just hear the recovery in your voice, and mm. I appreciate it. Um, I've been in program a, a long time, and I'm coming out of a relapse, and I just want to you to share, if you don't mind, your daily work. I totally agree with the fact that the food <laughs> becomes really unimportant mm-hmm. once you start working the steps and doing right. the program. You do the work, right? Yes. So and you share a little bit about it, your daily routine, if you don't yes, mind? Because, yes, I don't mind at all. And I, I actually meant to say part of it, but I'm a little nervous. So I've never done this before. So actually, and, and it's a really, you're, I'm going to make you laugh about it, okay? Because really, honestly, Every day, I'll, I'll explain, my routine has changed in the year. And every day when I get up, I get up early. Sometimes I don't, but most of the time I'm up before 6 a.m. And uh, I eat my breakfast, and then I used to I 
used to do this. I used to go and do my daily readers. I had a ton of them, and I used to love that. And then I had uh, all my uh, my. I have a prayer that when I um I have to do a step ten, I have a prayer. And the moment a character defect comes up, I actually add it to this prayer. Okay, and that forever. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you for at least nine months after after I did my my four step, maybe ten months. Uh, I had a paragraph a page long. <laughs> Please remove my controlling behavior and show me how to do this. And I would go through this prayer every day because I asked for those removals. But then I also really love meditating. I don't know if anybody likes to meditate, but um, I really uh, that I use for listening. So okay, so my prayer is one thing, okay, but my meditation is to listen and to show me guidance. So I am quiet in that. And um, that is uh, a daily occurrence, okay, both of those things. The beauty is is that I stopped losing weight at one point, but I'm too heavy, okay, to um, to stop losing weight. And so I was not willing, okay, to um, uh, change my food plan. So I decided to institute some exercise, so something I hate <laughs> but love. There's this cross thing with it, okay. And in the beauty of this is two weeks into the exercise, uh, just walking on a treadmill, okay, it faces is a wall. In front of my treadmill is a banana, fake banana tree. Okay, and here's this banana leaf, and there's a face in it. I see a face. I don't care. Nobody else can. Do you know, I ha- now, uh, my prayer, I gave up my daily readers, and I pray on that treadmill for an hour. Okay, like I literally walk for an hour talking to a banana leaf. <laughs> But that banana leaf to me is my higher power. You know, I see a face in it. I talk to it. It doesn't matter what it is, but I talk to this, okay? And I I like four-step inventory sheets sometimes on it just to really keep myself update and clear. And that's what I do. I I actually – and then after I get off or, or, or I'm done with whatever I'm doing, I actually go and take quiet time, and I I meditate, and I try to listen. And and I have to tell you, uh, both of these, if I miss them in a day, I don't feel whole. Um, They are really important things, and not everybody has an hour, but 10 minutes or 20 minutes to pray is fine. You know, and and meditating five, sometimes I meditate for 40 minutes. It depends on the day and what I can do. Like today I'll meditate for a long time because it's a Sunday. and um, But I get such peace and I get a lot of answers out of it because it, usually it's removing my ego in meditation and realizing that I'm here to just serve my higher power. Does that Thank you. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you so much. You didn't hear me laughing, but I was laughing off mute. Thank oh, you. Oh, the banana leaf is hysterical. I, it is very funny. I ha, I'm, I'm embarrassed to show my husband the leaf. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks, Catherine, for the question. Matt M., your turn. Hi. Good morning. Um, thank you very much for your share, Christine. I know who Barbara A. is myself. I've been up to North Jersey. Oh, good. And, uh, yeah, she's, she's wonderful. She's my phone at one time. Absolutely. And I'll have to give her a call. Thank you. You reminded me. Um, <laughs> um, I really want to know how you deal, because I have issues. I'm doing a four-step, and I kind of drag my heels on it, you know, which is not really not the way to do it. And I kind of have all these feelings that come up. I know I'm doing it the right way, because last time times I did it, I was numbed out. I was still in the food. 
now that I'm not, how do you deal with that bone crushing? It's it's because it's Mother's Day today as well. But how do you deal with that? Those emotions that kind of, it's like a wave that crests and constantly go and telling you. Well, Matt, no I'm going to be pretty honest. Let me explain, okay? Please. So I had some devastating stuff happen to me, and I didn't share this in my story. But since you're talking about it, I really want to discuss it. Okay, so I I in this whole process. Okay, uh, last January, so this is before I've come back in program, January 2014. I haven't speaking, uh, spoken to my father in 21 years, okay? His choice, uh, okay? So um, I get word that he's dying. In this whole process, I have contact with him. I decide to get abstinent anyway. I actually, after I've started the steps, one week into it, I, I basically, hello? I'm here. Hello. <laughs> okay, sorry. I I hear somebody talking. So <laughs> so um basically I um uh I get word from um from uh, uh an aunt after I see my dad a week after I've started the steps and I start uh an aunt who's in her 80s and she tells me some some things that I'm in shock over. Okay, I thought I didn't have a great childhood, but now she's telling me how bad it really was. Okay, and um, that my mother at one point possibly might have been physically abused, that my mother died of some very strange circumstances, and that there might be a cause to that, um, and uh, uh, and some really devastating things. At this point, what do I do? Okay, do I eat? And and uh, or and not put it on paper, or do I put it on paper and be able to deal with my life without this crap? Uh, otherwise, I'm going to eat again. You know, like so. I have all of this devastating news <laughs> coming my way within the first week of just sitting down and reading the doctor's opinion. I made a decision to trust my higher power because he had a path for me and I didn't, okay? My way wasn't the right way. So letting myself talk to me and in my head telling me, oh, you poor thing, you poor this, I uh, no. I decided that my higher power put this person in my life. They are guiding me and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do what I need to do because I can't eat anymore. I don't want to eat anymore. I just want to live free from this compulsion. And from what I've read already, just in the doctor's opinion, I know there's an answer. And that is what I hung on to. Thank you, Matt M., for the question. Isabel, your turn. Star 1 to unmute. Good morning. Um, wow, your story is so inspiring. I want what you have so badly. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so when you have a sponsee, how often do you work with them? Um, uh, well, number one, I encourage, okay, when I have a sponsee, uh, the moment they ask me, um, I had someone yesterday ask me to do the steps with them. She's four weeks abstinent and uh, really wants to move, and I encourage it, okay, as quickly um, as they can, especially because we only have that willingness for a minute. So if this person wants to, I send out a, a questionnaire, um, and they answer this questionnaire, which helps me when we go over it, figure out where they are, if they're agnostic or whatever. You know, it just helps me 
kind of see where they are so that I can give them possibly a little bit of additional reading or something that they need. But the truth is I go as fast as they want to go. Okay, so if someone wants to uh, read the doctor's opinion in a night, I, I give the doctor's opinion to them to go read and highlight. Call me when you're done. When you're done, then I read it to you. And then we discuss my highlights, and, sh and they tell me their highlights. We read it together on the phone, okay? And then if they want to call me in an hour because they've read the next chapter, they can. <laughs> I'm willing. So the truth is, is that I am, I, I, if they want to go fast, I'll go fast. Um, and I really, like Matt was saying, that willingness comes, it, it, you know, it only comes for a nanosecond to do the work. So move, move as fast as you can and get it done so that you can get to the other side of 12 and, and live free from this compulsion. So I work with people as often as they want to work and as quickly as they want to work. And I encourage speed <laughs> because I, as we can get to the fourth step, as I you know, have heard people and seen and helped, they get to the fourth step and step away. So I, I I encourage, do the work, do it diligently, make it thorough, stay out of the food, and move. Yes, I will be calling you for sure. Thank okay, you so good. Thank you. Thanks, Isabel. Sherry, we're looking for you. Your turn. Star one to unmute, Sherry. Hi, good morning. Um, I got taken aback. When, first of all, can you tell me again when you first walked through the doors? Uh, in uh, 1988, 89. Okay. Um, I've been in, uh, OA in the rooms for a long time, and I just got floored when I heard that you said more than once that a woman or more than one woman had said that you needed to wait. Same person. Years. Same person. Same person. Yes. You, you know, like... Did go you ahead. ever think to challenge that or go ahead and read the book yourself or or go to another OI meeting, talk to different people? And as a sponsor today, if you heard somebody give misinformation, would you step in and say, no, that's not correct? Well, I wouldn't correct anybody because that's not what I, I do today. But what I also know is that I... I took my that my higher power had um had a plan for me. It's not about the person. It's not about uh I I just wasn't able at that point, okay, to I I she was my higher power, let's put it that way. I made her my higher power and what she said went and I didn't question anybody else. It's not her fault. She doesn't know. She maybe she's never really worked the steps. You know, so this is how I I really feel. Uh, uh you know, but I I'm grateful and lucky that somebody explained what this did for her life to me a year ago and that this can change and that do you want food never to call you again. I'm not blaming anybody when I say it. It's that there, it, you know, just because we're in this room doesn't always mean we're, we're healthy. And, um, and so uh, I'm not angry. It's the path that I needed to take. I don't interject my thoughts to other people or when um, I, I will say something in a subtler way. Um, you know, uh, in a room, uh, but I, 
I just believe that, um, and more than likely, you know, I've heard somebody recently say something to someone, and the beauty is a week later this girl in the meeting heard me speak and came to me and asked, what do you suggest? And I gave her my suggestion. So I, if I trust what my higher power has set for me, I can share in a meeting, and either they want what I have or they don't, but it definitely comes from the individual. And, and, and believe me, this was just meant to be. This was my path. Even though I read the book, I wasn't ready to see it, okay? I really wasn't. And we never read from the big book, which was interesting. I really predominantly went to newcomers' meetings and all those years and heard tools, okay? I hope that answers it. Thank you, Sherry, for the question. Anyone else with a question this morning for Hi, Christine? this is Kathy Kay. Kathy Kay, hold on one second, Kathy. Anybody else? Great opportunity to ask questions this morning. Star one to unmute. Sarah W. Hi, Sarah. Good morning. Okay, anybody else? Okay, Kathy Kay, your turn. Thank you, Leah, and thank you, Christine. It was wonderful to hear you. I'm very inspired by your recovery, and um, and I identified with many parts of it. One thing I wanted to ask you about is um, sponsorship. Uh, mm-hmm. I, too, get so much out of sponsoring other people. It's a very important part of my recovery. Mm-hmm. But there are times when I'm stumped, uh, and this is the issue, when we get to step four or five and a sponsee picks up the food. Um, I was wondering how you handle that uh, and how you have handled that, because I keep searching for new ways, and I would be very appreciative to hear you. Mm. Okay, I you know, it's not easy. Um, you know, I have a sponsor, you know, a step sponsor as well as a food sponsor, but my I have two different sponsors. Um, and my step sponsor Barbara A, um, I go to her with a lot of questions. But one of the best answers is always, okay, I I page 96 in the big book, <laughs> working with others, it usually gives me my answer. But I will say, this is something that I figured out this time, okay, that the willingness is me putting down the food and then going to work the steps, okay? Something I figured it out, okay, that I have to step forward and and the willingness to put it down and be willing to work on me. So if they've picked up the food, um, uh, I I don't, uh, I I mean, it might be too much for them or whatever, but um, their willingness has disappeared. So we're back at the beginning. And um, and I cease uh, working on step four until they can get some abstinence again under their belt. You know, and I try to explain to people that when we're doing step four, it's everything you eat over. And the fear of doing a step four is, is amazing to me because I, even though I had the fear, I wanted to do it because uh, really the reality is I wanted to get rid of this stuff. This is what I ate over. (laughs) So putting it on paper meant that I could 
finally put it down and live the life I was meant to lead, you know, and um, clean, sober, happy. And, um, and I try to explain that to people. But then when that it might not work, I definitely go to page 96, which is um, an important page. Have you uh, read that? I don't know, Kathy, if you can hear me or respond. Okay, I guess not. Um, so, uh, yeah, page 96. Read it. Great. <laughs> do not be discouraged. Hi, hi, Christina. Thank you. I did hear you. I was talking muted. Um, I will go oh. back to read that. Thank you very much. You're welcome, because it tells you if the person doesn't want what you have to move forward on to something else, and, yeah. and that, that that's their path. And don't get frustrated, because then you're meant to be with someone else. You see, and that is the beauty in this. There is somebody who wants your message. Just be patient. Thank you, Kathy Kay, for the question. Sarah W., your turn. Thank you, Leah. Thank you for your service. Good morning, Christine. Beautiful, beautiful. Enjoyed it immensely and got a lot out of it. I wanted to talk about the metamorphosis of behaviors changing mm-hmm. because um, I've been in the program a long time and mm-hmm. I still struggle. Um, and I, you know, I work through my steps, I sponsor all those things. And at times I feel almost like a numbness, um, Mm. towards people. And it's a lot about my old abandonment issues. I've worked through the steps many times and really want to be the person that God would have me be. So I wanted to ask you a couple of, uh, maybe, uh, things that you've done to help yourself in changing behaviors. Mm. Um, I think people put in front of me are the biggest <laughs> are the biggest challenge you know this this person i was talking about you know um uh you know uh in particular that um uh, the people pleasing steps up one of those behaviors um to protect my abandonment issues meaning i want to be liked by everybody i want everyone to like me okay period and if they don't i'm i'm pretty pissed off <laughs> You know, instead of using my higher power, I want to make this person, what can I do to make that person like me? So, um, and I'll do anything, you know. So the reality is, is that I really, the beauty in it is that uh, this individual sitting across from them in the last conversation I had with this person, I realized that it doesn't matter if anyone doesn't like me, if this person doesn't like me. And and it is their issue why they don't like me. I am who I am, and my higher power loves me, and that's okay. Not everyone has to like me, and I will survive. And that was a catalyst. And after that, okay, um, I every day I had a, a lesson. See, because God gives you a, I, I gives me a lesson. Okay, so He comes at me from a standpoint in the beginning. It's I start to get small hits over the head, okay, of of this lesson of people-pleasing. It's one small hit, it's another. And then all of a sudden I get a big one, and that day was a big one, okay? And then after that I get all these little ones because God wants me to to see, okay, and know that I've learned that lesson. I really believe that. And the beauty was I've had a lesson every day since that meeting with that woman, and now they're getting softer because because I've learned, I've learned that 
you know, that it is, uh, you know, if somebody's whispering, uh, you know, are they talking about me because my head is crazy? No, no one. It doesn't really matter. None of this really matters. None of that. It doesn't matter if someone likes me or not. It doesn't matter today. Uh, my God loves me, okay? And that's all I need <laughs> every day is my higher power to love me. doesn't matter if anybody else does. And the moment I let go of that things just come back threefold. But I really believe the lessons I need to learn and the behaviors I need to change, they come before me as God put them in whatever form they are, and they can be intense, intense, intense. And I usually only get one lesson at a time. And people-pleasing has been a lesson for the past six weeks for me. And um, and that's, that's an incredible beauty. And they're getting less, meaning I'm learning it. So just be aware of the lesson that's being taught and try to work on that. And uh, and I really believe God puts people in your path. And, you know, the interesting part, the first time I had an, um, uh, this lesson taught to me, my sponsor, my step sponsor said to me, this will be your greatest teacher. <gasps> The beauty of that is she was right. <laughs> and 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 I never even saw it. I hated this person, this poor person, you know? And and the truth is it's not that person's fault. It's not anybody's fault. It's it the it was a lesson I need to learn and and that person was put in front of me to learn it. So, um she was my greatest teacher. Thank you, Sarah, for the question. All right. Final invitation for questions. Anyone else with a question for Christine? Great opportunity to hear someone's experience, strength, and hope. This is Alice. I heard Alice, I believe. Who else? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Anybody else? Last opportunity. Anne. Anne. All right. Maria B. Your name again? Nadia. Nadia. Okay. All right. Elaine B. And Elaine. Okay. Uh, uh, who else? I heard, uh, I believe, a, a gentleman at the end there. Did I miss anybody after Elaine? Okay, I'm assuming that's a no. Okay, Alice M., go ahead, please. Hi, this is Alice M., a compulsive overeater in Bulimic from Florida. And thank you, Christine. Um, I really, I am attracted to the levity I hear in your voice um, and the, just the, the, the lightness. Um, and my question is, um, I'm, I was working in my, my ninth step, and I had a lot of amends, um, a whole, pardon me, but I don't know how else to say this, shitload of shoplifting amends that are mm-hmm. um, in my face facing me that bring me, um, I did a few of them and um, around town here, and I found myself in a huge amount of fear and terror and panic um, when going in, when and there was a lot of prep work with them, and coming out and just a real ball of ick about myself, um, mm-hmm. and it was growing and growing, and I, um, it triggered me. It triggered a lot of past things of fear, and 
I became paralyzed, really, and had kind of a, a big meltdown, emotional meltdown, and, and really lost trust in this process for me, um, that it was not safe how I was doing it. Now, my question is, um, you had mentioned that you let the sponsee kind of lead, you know, when they're ready. So, um, I, you know, I've taken 30 days, stepped away, um, um, based on, you know, the type of program I work, um, and, and we'll be returning to that supposedly, you know, if I keep my abstinence. Now, I am confused with when I am trying to find an easier, softer way, mm-hmm. and when I am r- really just needing to accept this real uncomfortability and feeling of unsafety and push through these things. Mm-hmm. Um, it really felt unsafe to me. It really feels unsafe. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's something I'm not, I'm not getting done that needs to be done before I can make these types of terrifying to me, terrifying amends. So mm-hmm. that's just my question to you is that how does one know when one is trying to just really shirk my responsibility and shrink and find an easier, softer way and, and say this is not for me, this is really, really wrong process for me, and when am I supposed to just melt and go through this, what feels like terror for me? Mm. Okay, so the interesting part is, I'm going to point out, you just keep saying for me, for me, for me. What about your higher power? <laughs> Where is he in all this? <laughs> you know, this is the beauty is I, I am you, you are me. So I get that. Like it was about me and my feelings and me, 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 me. The beauty is, is that today I depend on a higher power, pretty heavy duty. I seek uh, him before I seek, and I say him, but I don't, I, I believe my higher power is is so huge it's not it really doesn't have gender it's just easy for me to say him um uh you know so please understand that it it really is genderless to me but it just it comes naturally so um um but higher power is something that um that um, I really depended on heavy heavy duty for step uh nine um I believed that um I needed to center myself and really ask for him to give me guidance. And and I took the me out of it and let it be him, okay, and uh, realized that he only has wonderful, great things for me in store if I'm willing to follow his will and and not mine. I hope that answers the question. Well, I want to follow up with that because you also said that you give your uh, sponsors a questionnaire to find out if they're agnostic, atheist, so you know how to work with them. And I am atheist, and I do have... I go to my inner strength and I go to the strength of yeah. others and the wisdom and, and uh, I feel in the principles. So yeah. that um, when I when I when people say turn to a higher power, I turn to my inner self. Yes. I turn my inner good self and the, yeah. and the goodness in everybody else. And um, I get that. So so that's you know a lot of right. a lot of yeah. Do you try to so, an- to get answers? Do you try to sit and listen and receive an answer? And I do, do you believe I, that you are taken care of. Um, I don't believe in the you know that I am taken care of. I believe that I can seek how to take care of of myself through the wisdom and help and support of others. So mm-hmm. I you know when I sit to get in touch with that, I mean I don't want to get into this. Right, into, you know, I this, understand. I just, 
Yeah, because I don't want to take people's time, but um, right. I do have I do have beliefs. I do feel that there is a goodness about me and others, and there's a Good. huge, huge spiritual strength that I draw from. Good. And so I guess the answer is just to keep talking Drawing to others. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Draw on right, that. Draw on that. Mm-hmm. Keep going, because it's incredible. You have this incredible thing that's going to happen to you that you won't believe by when you're done it's incredible i felt i was on cloud nine okay by the time i was done with this it, it and believe me it will happen for you too if you if you do it you know just keep going thank you christine thanks alice for that question elizabeth your turn Elizabeth, star one to unmute. Good morning. Good morning. This is Elizabeth in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Hi, Elizabeth. And I have a question about what you said on step four. Okay. Um, I can totally relate to your story, fears of abandonment and all the the, uh, issues in the past that I came through in step four. But I, I don't know if I heard you correctly, but did you say that your step four was not a, a list of people that you had resentments against, but, but more a list of your character? No. I'll explain. I use a five-column worksheet. I have a worksheet that I use, and um, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you, okay, so you can kind of get a visual on it. Okay, so when I have a resentful, the first column is I am resentful at, and I let's put my aunt and uncle. So I'm resentful at my aunt and uncle. Why? The second column says because they never contacted me is my answer in that. And column three says it affected my what? Self-esteem, my emotional security, my ambitions, my personal relationships, and everything affects my sex relations. Because if I'm repeating that story in my head, I don't want to get naked with my husband. (laughs) It is what it is. Okay, column four, my part. Okay, my part, what was my part in it? My part was I didn't call them. <laughs> so what is my character defect? What character defect, this is column five, allowed me to do my part? Uh, was I selfish? Yes. Was I self-seeking? Yes. Was I dishonest? No. Was I frightened? Yes. Was I inconsiderate? Yes. Um, so I have these character defects, and then I also put other character defects on it, uh, uncaring, uh, self-centered. I, I, I add to that, okay? So once I get that column uh, full of maybe I have seven to ten character defects on there, um, I have an action plan, okay? So my action plan is I'm going to act opposite of being self-centered. So I'm going to act as if I'm caring uh, and loving. You see what I mean? And care about everyone. Does that make sense to you? Elizabeth, star one to unmute if you'd like to respond. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I just thought I heard you say that you... You focus on your character defects, and I didn't hear that you made the list of all the people. So. Oh, yeah, I made a huge list, <laughs> it, as we probably all do, but it went on forever, <laughs> and they still come up. 
Thanks, Elizabeth, for the question. Ann, you're up. Good morning. This is Angie in Colorado. Thank you, Christine, so much. Um, I'm in my 50s and, you know, close to that weight. And now I'm in the fourth step, thank God. Thank you, God. And, um, you know, the resentment from the meetings... You know, I I didn't hear a lot of resentment from you. I can't imagine not being so pissed off at the uh, OA meetings you went to for years and only hearing the tools because I'm furious at, you know, at that, at that. And also I was wondering, you know, um, about, I'm, I'm afraid, part of me is afraid of not having a wall of fat and being in the world. So um, you've obviously physically transformed a lot, and so if you could share on that. Can you, I didn't hear you the last sentence. Uh, you're afraid of, say it again? Of, um, of physical recovery, of being, of not having a wall of fat, of really being uh, seen in the world. And, right. you know, I'm thinking, you know, and I'm close to, you know, I'm not that far from your highest weight, so, and right. I'm in the fourth step, so I know the weight is coming off, and I need and to actually, yeah, and I need to exercise for it to come off more, and part of me, I think, is I'm so afraid of really being in the world, and I would just like you to share on that part of the emotional transformation. Okay, so um, I guess how I feel is, um, I don't know, I have, I really work hard at my connection, so, uh, to my higher power, I really work hard at this, okay, it's something I don't take lightly, that I know if I lose that connection, that I don't have a chance in the world, that I will go back and I will eat, so... And and I've learned to really enjoy this time that I spend um, meditating and seeking help for my higher power. So, to be honest, uh, the wall of fat, um, I don't necessarily have that, okay? So, um, I never really... Um, I I understand what you mean, uh, but I can't relate in the sense of I have always been, and I'll describe my personality, an incredibly outgoing person, okay? So I I wouldn't allow it, even people's comments about my fat, to stop me from being who I was, okay? So I never put up a wall. I always, I didn't understand why somebody could say, wow, you're so heavy. How did you get that way? You know, or whatever. But it didn't matter. Um, I kept moving on. And I'm not angry about the people in the meetings because how I really, really feel about that is that this is the path I was chosen to take. The truth is, if I really read the big book, I could have figured out the steps myself. And as I said, not everyone in this room has the same recovery. As you all know, you've gone to meetings and I've gone to meetings. It doesn't matter. Okay, it's my path. It's the path I was on. I'm not angry. I actually believe that this is what I was supposed was supposed to have happen. And um and and as for the wall, just keep going and trust your higher power. Believe that he has a path or uh, there's a path for you set out and that follow it and just keep going and trust that and not your head. The voices in my head tell me everything 
uh, and they're, it's not correct. <laughs> it's, not, it's correct 1.001% of the time. So um, I seek my higher power first, trust him, and then I take action. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. Thanks, Anne. Nadia, your turn. Star one to unmute, Nadia. Uh, hi, it's Nadia. Um, and uh, my question is, you're talking about um, building that connection with your higher power and um at what point in your recovery did you start uh, did you start feeling um God giving you the answers to your questions and to your meditation um I don't know if you understood the question yes, oh, I totally understood it <laughs> um, you know it's interesting. I started meditating pretty rapidly, but uh, let me go back and explain that, okay, and getting enough answers okay and sometimes they're not i don't get an answer they're subtle directions okay okay so uh i i when i had my second child that's 1990 okay i um got a book called uh, uh visualizations for an easier childbirth and and that really taught me how to meditate and i really loved this book and i loved meditating okay and I never read another thing about it after that. And sometimes when someone starts to explain it to me, I say, don't tell me because I (laughs) don't want to know. I'm afraid if I know information that I won't be able to do what I do. Okay, so I always, I, I think Barbara, my sponsor, I'm in the middle of step four, she goes away. Um, and I decide that she's traveling for nine days. And I decide to sit and start meditating again. And the beauty is I I sit up out of this meditation and I'm calm. I'm ten times calmer than when I went in, okay, telling me I need to continue to do this, okay. And and sometimes it's like – and I'll explain. Leah asked me to give this a title, this this meditation today uh, or this – special edition. So I had tons of topics on on a piece of paper, but I decided to meditate before I gave her the final answer. And in the meditation, I got sit up and write. I sat up and wrote the title in less than five seconds. (laughs) And and, and listen to me, this is just a process that I continue to do and I continue to try and listen. I continue to, to try and be very open to answers. And and sometimes it doesn't come in meditation. It comes in two weeks of meditation, uh, and someone or someone walks up to me and says something, and I realize there's my answer. So the beauty is is that j- I am just so open to hearing, listening, instead of controlling. And and um, uh, I don't want to be the one in control anymore. It didn't solve any of my problems. It made it worse. So I'm willing to try and listen. Thank you. Thanks, Nadia. And our final question comes from Elaine. Elaine, your turn. Star one to unmute, Elaine. I'm sorry, I was sharing and, <clears throat> excuse me, a difficulty time. 
didn't know I was not unmuted. <laughs> okay, so uh, Christine, thank you so much for your share and for your laughter. It's always a delight to hear the joy that this this uh, program and freedom that it brings. I, too, have a question about your comments on step four. I believe you had mentioned that when you were writing your step four, your sponsor said, I don't want to hear your whole life story. I don't want to hear about that. We'll get to that later. Just mm-hmm. focus on your character defects. And I, I thought I understood that you said that when you gave your fifth step away, it was just your character defects. Yes. And that perhaps it was in step eight that you, um, perhaps it was in step eight that you went into more detail about what the history was. Could you just unpack that a little bit for us? Yes, Thank you, you so got much. it totally. Okay, you, you definitely got it. I, I'm not always great at giving the total information, but I agree. It wasn't about the story because I didn't want the roots in step four. I, I mean, I now understand this. So writing my step four, I wanted to tell her the whole story of my whole life, who did what, who did this. But I, I she was like, no, no, we need to take this, uh, uh, not no, no, but it was was like, let's not, I don't want to listen to the story yet. I want to discuss uh, what your behavior in it, in it is. Okay, so when we get to the point, and some I had to discuss to become to get to the behavior, but a lot I didn't. Okay, so, the, uh, I, and then when I get to step five, I just read down the column of my character defects. I was controlling. I was self-centered. I was egotistical. I was self-loathing. Here, I, I, if I read them all, you would die. Okay, I, w- I had lack of respect. I was a thief. I was untrusting. I was undependable. So I went through and I just read. This was my step five. But when I am forming my amends on eight is when the story comes out because she needs to help me or she or he needed to guide me, not help. Well, it's help. Help and guidance is the same thing. Um, uh, to who, what the story is, um, how to make the amends, if there is an amends needed, and um, what I can say without injuring them or me. So that's actually... Um, the story does come out in step eight, but um, I use my story a lot, you know, um, to injure me and get try to get everyone else to feel bad for me. So it was one of the best things that ever happened to me, uh, someone saying, we're not going to hear the story because the story becomes bigger than me, and then I'm living in the problem, not the solution. So it does come out in eight, but I'm in a different my head is in a different spot when I'm looking at it there. Thank you, Elaine, for the question. Thanks. Thank you to everybody who asked the question this morning, everybody in attendance. Of course, thank you to our speaker, Christine. Thank you for sharing your story of transformation. Thank you for your enthusiasm regarding this process of recovery through the 12 Steps. We thank you, and I'm going to close this morning the way we always close, and that's from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Mm. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. Answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. Mm. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. 
This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.